exploring your sexuality in that way. I really hope Angie's receptive. Oh, is this on? I'm sorry. Hey, and welcome. Welcome, welcome to the What You've Been Watching podcast. <laughs> I am your host, the legally recused Marvelous Mike Dudley, followed as always by my younger brother and co-host... MD3, Marcus Dudley, checking in on you. What is going on out there on podcast land? How are you doing today, my brother? I'm doing much better now. I thought I was going to have jury duty at like 7.45 in the morning and was really kind of pissed off about that. And then you dropped some knowledge on me about calling the jury pool, the automated line, and figuring out if I actually got selected. So you just saved me a 7.45, a 6.45 wake-up call. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. No, I only because I got summoned for the first time recently. But yeah, no, I... Uh, I called a lot later than that. I called like the day of because mm-hmm. I was panicking. I couldn't find where I put the slip. I was like, I don't know my number. I don't know anything. Please don't arrest me. <laughs> but no, nah, it didn't. It didn't pan out that way. My number was excused as well. So it's good, 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 good. What is the what is the legal recourse if you like just don't show up for jury duty? Like, I don't know. But if you do know, what you can do is you can send us an email at www.whatchabenwatchingpodcast at gmail dot com, and you can fill us in with all the legal recourse and thereof. Uh, at your own leisure. You can also reach us at uh, Facebook.com if you search Dudley Bros Podcast. We are right there at Dudley Bros Podcast, or you can just search What You've Been Watching on Facebook. And there's a beautiful, colorful banner by the one and only uh, the middle Matt, the middle Dudley, Matt Dudley, that you can uh, check out and send us all your uh, your feedback there. So yeah, big love to uh, MKDudleyArt.com. Go check them out for all your painting, tattooing, and artistry needs. Yeah, yeah. So. So this is the million dollar question, my friend. This is why everybody tunes in. Oh shit, lay it on me. What you been watching, my dude? My man. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I have not seen a single episode of it yet. How is it? How do you feel about it? Eh, it's fair to middling. It's it's entertaining, but it, it doesn't pay attention to a lot of the Star Wars canon. And it's it's kind of problematic in terms of it kind of opens up a lot of um, yeah like a lot of canon loopholes like watching the first uh, uh, Star Wars you know the original 77 version I had always understood that Princess Leia had never met Obi-Wan or Ben Kenobi in her life before like you, you know she she basically said you know you were a, a, you were you you were in the in the Clone Wars with my, my father, father basically yeah. and then by episode two of the episode two of this series, they're already having young Leah Organa and Ben Kenobi doing madcap adventures and stuff, and like she never makes mention of that within the original series. So it's this weird like, well, wait, like wouldn't that be the first thing you reference? Like, hey, remember when I was a little girl and you came to save me that one time? That's why we're connected, not between your father and I, like my father and I in the Clone Wars. Like, I don't know, it's. As much as I like you and McGregor, it's it's raising a lot of issues for me in terms of linear plots, and and it's it's sort of doing its own thing, which is okay, but it kind of messes with the original trilogy, which I have a problem with. Yeah, and it's, I mean the the original trilogy is pretty sacred, especially the first like A New Hope. Mm-hmm. I guess that was kind. I mean, I've I've read that too. A lot of people aren't big fan of um, uh, what's the the Judicator's name. Um, Oh, the Inquisitor. Yeah, Inquisitor, yeah, yeah. Inquisitor, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Inquisitor. I the know, Judicator. Yeah, and unfortunately she got a lot of 
flack just for being a black woman in Star Wars. And yeah, shit, which is stupid. Yeah, which it's go. I say this with all due, with no due respect. If that's how you feel about it, go fuck yourself. hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. Go, go fuck yourself. There's a million species, a million, a million races in Star Wars, and you got to pick the one. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, get out of here. Like, like, there's so many other races to hate. Yeah, like <laughs> it's, it's whatever, dude. If you had hut hate, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. I, I get it. it, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're kind of, they own slaves, and they're kind of shitty people. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, I don't know. People that did that online, it's just, you just roll your eyes. You're like, really? Right. But whatever. So. I mean, I, I have a, I, I don't hate her, but the the character does leave a lot to be desired for because she just, it, it's just bad writing it, it is really what it comes down to. I don't, I don't, it's not necessarily the actress playing her. It's not necessarily... The fact that I, you know, like, oh, a black person, you know, they're they're doing a diversity <coughs> hire in Star Wars. Yeah, it's just that the character isn't very well thought out, and I just sort of have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't gotten into it yet, um, but I have heard that that some people are like, oh, it has nothing to do with that. It's just the character you kind of want more. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But really, I guess my only, I'm not, I'm gonna watch it, you know, um, but. We're all just waiting for him to face off with Darth Vader again. That's well, the whole thing. Well, but they, they already did that. They Like, by episode, I want to say two or three, like, they have a, Dar- a pretty badass Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader battle, and it just sort of gets, like, interrupted and, like, cut short. And so, like, of course you want more, but they've already kind of shot their load on that one a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm going to sit down and watch it. But, I mean, I like Ewan McGregor. He's really good as, as Obi-Wan. He is really good. He, he is doing all of, the, all of the emotions and all of the acting. Um, it's nice to see Darth Vader in a badass, you know, like, he seems like a viable threat kind of way. Um, just the rest, of, but everything around that is just superfluous and doesn't matter. And just, I get really bored with it. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's weird because that was kind of why I like the, the what is it, the sixty seconds in Rogue One where Vader enters the hallway. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I've been waiting for him to whip this freaking lightsaber around for life, you know. Right. And the movies in the first set of movies, he does, but not really. I mean, it's kind of oh no, they've definitely like ramped up his powers in terms of like putting them all on display and and him being a, a menace in right. yeah yeah they they've definitely increased that as we see more and more and more of him yeah i guess my my biggest thing with like obi-wan and again i haven't seen it so this is just but it i don't have to watch it to say what my issue was issue was with it is like when the prequel trilogy came out episode 1 i respect the fact that george lucas openly said like i'm not going to redo the same movies i'm going to do a very different feel a very different I mean, he, he at least swung for it. I don't know sure. how much he connected, but at least he... In terms of the prequels? Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he's like, all right, we're going to try something different. It's a different feel than the original. That I don't need to touch anything in that because that's obviously it stood the test of time. Sure. But like episode one was what it was, okay? Episode two was the only one that I felt like a huge letdown in. Really? Because three by the time like two was the only one where they could take enough liberties to really do something really really interesting like we're talking about the clone wars here like mm-hmm, we're talking mm-hmm. about like something you've heard about and every you know it's it's in the lure so much and they just dropped the ball and thank god they did the cartoon about it so a lot of people got that sure that itch scratched or whatever right. the jimmy tartakovsky stuff that he did with the clone wars did yeah. you ever see that the, no, the animated I, stuff i saw a couple of i was never it's really worth a look it's, yeah. it really like that to me tells the story of anakin skywalker's fall to the dark side way better than anything that they did in the in the 
prequel trilogy. Right. But I, I was saying with two though, it was um like they had a they had a bunch of liberty to go out and do something really fun and interesting and they wasted it on a shitty love story and mm-hmm. like Obi Wan being an investigator. Right. And with three it was like there were certain things that had to happen in right. order for it to make sense for four. So it was still interesting to watch, but it was just like if they're not in episode four, then guess what? We know what their fate is. Right, right. And they're certain like the the Jedi Council has to be broken up. Right. Yoda has to go to the Dagobah system. Right. Like there were certain like you have to check certain right. boxes. Emperor Palpatine has to get his scars right. and become all like yeah, you know, like Phantom of the Opera looking. Yeah, yeah. So it was just kind of I really felt let down with two in the sense of like three we knew it was going to happen to a certain extent. Like Mace Windu, guess what? He's going to die. He's not in it. Like the Jedi. although we never actually see him die. We yeah. just see him get shunted out of a window and lightning struck. So right, right. But he's not. Maybe they bring him in. You knew he was going to reach a conclusion. <laughs> right, right, you know? right, right, right. Which even then, I still fight that Boba Fett should have killed him. But whatever. I I agree. But yeah, so I guess that's kind of my thing with Obi Wan. Why I'm, my hype for it is like, oh, I want to see Ewan again. Like he's always fun to watch, and you know. But it's kind of like I ah, got to check certain boxes here. Right. Very right, much right. so, like the solo movie and. Yeah, yeah, it, it that was sort of my problem with the solo movie was it just felt like they were like, well, we got to do the Kessel Run, and we got to do Han gets the the Millennium Falcon, and we got to do first meeting with Lando, and we got to somehow squeeze in that he meets Chewie, and then you, you know on right. and on, and on, best and on and on and on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's it's the highlights, but it's so truncated and so like it just feels forced, you know. Yeah, and it was. I mean, the movie was charming enough, but like again, it just didn't. It was like, oh, okay, like there are certain things that are going to happen. And, yeah. That's just what it was. So, and as much shit as he gets, I, I forget the actor's name, but uh, the guy who played Young Han Solo. Oh my gosh! I think he really, really did a good job of portraying. Like, he, he wasn't doing an impersonation of Harrison Ford. He was doing his version of Harrison Ford, which right. I really appreciated because somebody just trying to bad mumble their way through, you know, Star Wars quotes is not really, that's not interesting to me. You know? Yeah, if you shoot to be Harrison Ford, I mean, you're you're almost set yourself up for failure anyways if you're just like, hey, I'm going to try to be Harrison Ford again. It's like, right, right. it's one of the most iconic roles in all of cinema history. Let me like, put it this way. Even Harrison Ford right now can't do a good Harrison Ford. So right. What <laughs> hope do you have? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean... It was fine, though. But yeah, that's kind of my, my issues with it. And I know a lot of Star Wars fans are just like, just leave well enough alone. Disney's ruining it. ruining it." But the same people can't stop watching it. So. Oh, and I'm, I'm very much in that camp. Like, it, One of my main problems with Star Wars is that they always seem to focus on somebody named Solo or Skywalker. And to me, just if you're, if you're dealing with a, with a universe that has millions of worlds and millions of races and all sorts of turmoil and like... Why would you focus on this one little corner of the sandbox to play in? Like to me, like the beauty about Star Wars is that there's so much more to go explore. Which, to its credit, I think Star Trek did really, really well yep. in terms of like the next generation is very, very different than the original series. Deep Space Nine is very, very different than anything that came before it. And like they tend to, you know, sure they're trying to recapture the magic of the first one and the the intrigue of the first one, but at least they're swinging for something different, you know. Um, yeah, that's my problem with the. I really, I can't stand the new trilogy, and not because it's like, I on I gave them an honest chance. Oh, me too. Oh, After yeah. I I couldn't stand the Force Awakens. Like I, I'm in a very small minority, and I'm not saying it's a great movie. I'm I'm not. I don't want to get into the argument of like, is it a good movie? Is it bad or anything? But I actually enjoyed The Last Jedi more than the other two. Because, like, fuck it, at least it tried something. Sure. Like, sure. again, I'm not saying it, it hit it all, but, like, damn. 
At least it tried something different. Like shit, I will, man. I will say the Last Jedi. The parts that work really, really do work. And then the, but the, but then the the problem with that is that there's a bunch of just extemporaneous and tertiary stuff that like right. it like I don't give a fuck about. And so why am I wasting <laughs> screen time on any of this stuff? Right, know? right, right. But like again, at least it tried something new, man. And then like I saw the. Episode nine, I was like, man, this is just oh yeah. yeah. Like by the time all the ships came in and like that was supposed to be their grandiose moment, I was like, I don't care. Like right. I've seen this movie before, like twice now. You, you've done the first one and then you read it again in Force right. Awakens and you're doing it again. Right. And it's like right, 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 like, right. I don't, I don't. And care then anymore. she like she finds the dagger that just so happens to line up with the wreckage of the Death Star, and it's like, well, how did that's that's really like Goonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real. Like that's some Goonie, which is fine for a Goonies movie because it's for like you know prepubescent like tweeners. You know, like that's yeah. fine. It's, it's supposed to be a coming of age story, and then like all yeah, just it's yeah. It, it, it was it was too much of a stretch for me. So, anyways, Obi Wan Kenobi. So you're into Obi Wan Kenobi. Eh, a little I'm, bit to be desired. I, a little bit to be. I'm I'm willing to to at least finish out the series and see <laughs> how how it goes. Uh, I, I'm really hoping that they're building towards another like epic vader obi-wan clash which is all i really want to see in that series anyway so i would think so i, I would think so you have to right yeah like, i mean that's why we're all tuning in right i'm just kind of right. yeah there's a bunch of man it's it's getting to be that timing and there's so much stuff that they just dropped like the other thing i'm gonna ask you about here in just a minute i haven't again i haven't started this yet i've been kind of on some other stuff but um I know the boys just got released, which I'm a. I love season one and two of the boys. I haven't seen yet. But I haven't I'm gotten into that yet. But I'm waiting. I might just wait for all the episodes to be released and then just. That's what Binge I did with the last yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Miss Marvel came out. Episode one just yes. dropped. I haven't seen it yet. I've read a couple reviews. Um, I have I, seen. I was it, pretty actually. good. I, yeah, I mean, I've heard yeah. relatively good things about it. It's it's very. Um, I have seen. it. I saw the first episode. It. It's very almost like a CW show in terms of it's very teen angsty and teen drama. Um, I mean, the main character is a 16-year-old Muslim girl who is a fangirl of, of, of all the Avengers. And, and she's always got her head in the clouds. And her very conservative mom is always telling her, you know, trying to bring her back down and, and tell her that she needs to focus on, you know, her future and... and school and getting ahead in life and finding a good man and you know all the very like conservative religious right. sort of uh, uh components um but all <laughs> she wants to do is just draw superheroes she has this like little webisode thing she does every week where she'll like animate battles that the avengers have been in and sort of give like a brief history of it or whatever um it's very visually dynamic uh, lots of bright colors, lots of contrasts. Like even within a certain scene, like there, you know, there's the pop of the green and the reds and the violets and the blues, and just everything is is very uh, colorful and and. It looked like that in the trailer. Like it was. It real is. Bright. It is, and and it, it's very musically driven. It's That's it's cool. Um, but yeah, it it plays like a like a like a CW teenage show show. Like literally, the very first episode is. She wants to go to a comic con, a, a comic con, basically a, a Avengers convention, and her mom won't let her go. And well, maybe me and my best friend can find a way to sneak out, right. and we're gonna, you know, like it, it's very much in that motif. And I mean, then, those cliches work for a reason, though. Sure, you know what I mean? sure. It, it it's definitely set for the teenage female crowd. Um, because uh, I know we got enough burly dudes running around. <laughs> right. Listen. 
Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth are goddamn national treasures, yeah. and I won't have you slight their name. No. no, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just saying it, it, I understand why they're trying to appeal to a different market. But, it, is, um, it is. It is. It is. I don't want to say it's disingenuously trying to be diverse, but it knows what its audience is. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's definitely not trying to appeal to necessarily the hardcore comic, comic fans. It is definitely trying to draw in a crowd of people that maybe aren't familiar with the character and, and are trying to set it up in a, in a visually dynamic style that is appealing to the generation, you know, the generation Y, you know. I get it. No, it's it makes sense that they would do it with Miss Marvel, with Kamala Khan, that's mm-hmm. the character's name, because she was, I'm going to botch what it's called, I think it was called like the Marvel New Wave or something yes. like that, yeah. and they started doing um, a lot more inclusion, and that's when they did the whole thing of like, what we're doing, they made a bunch of characters of different ethnicities and backgrounds and stuff like that. And they were saying, it's not diversity, it's inclusion. We're just making right. the world that we live in, or that these characters live in, more like the actual real world that we right. see in. Right. So, right. a lot of people, you know, to, oh, they're trying to be too woke and whatever. They were just saying, dude, this is the real world. We're just reflecting it more in the comics. So. Sure, sure. Which which I agree with. Like, there, there is something to be said for... Uh, inclusivity and, yeah. and and seeing yourself represented in the, on the page in terms of of oh they look just like me and they're pretty cool so right right and it's uh but yeah I like that they said that that it's not diversity it's inclusion but they call them like legacy characters like how Hawkeye has Kate Bishop that's the legacy character right Miles Morales to to Spider Man yeah, right. Peter Parker Iron Heart to Iron Man stuff right. like that where right. it's kind of like a, hey you inspired me. To Young Noda, yeah, Kid Noda, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam Alexander to Richard Ryder, uh, yeah, Sam Alexander to Richard Ryder, stuff like that. Um, but of the ones, like I know that Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, was one of the more popular characters, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, it didn't necessarily reflect it in, in like book sales initially, but she has kind of gained a lot of traction over it, especially, you know. So it makes sense that they would have her as the show to kind of be. They already kind of did Kate Bishop a little bit, and they're kind of sure. like, okay. But um, in the in the Matt Fraction run with well, with, I mean on the on the MCU like they did oh, yeah, the yeah, Hawkeye okay, run right, right, with right, Kate right, Bishop right. yeah the Hawkeye show shout out to Haley Steinfeld she's awesome yeah <laughs> and I heard uh and what's this this uh, Iman Villani or is it her name something like that I'm gonna butcher it but yeah that something like that right. Iman Villani something like that mm-hmm. either way um, she's a first time actress this is her first gig yeah. apparently. Yeah, and uh, did you ever see the reaction video where Kevin Feige got on the Zoom call to tell her she got? I the part? did, I did. It, th- just, it's just adorable to see her reaction of just like, oh my god, like, and she was so appreciative and so like so into it. Like you could tell that this was a this was a, a girl who like fully understood that like not only was her life going to change, but like she had just been granted this huge opportunity and right. like. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they're like they they break it down to her very sweet, like you know, well we've come to a decision and we have decided that uh, Imani is Kamala Khan, and she's like, ah! yeah, it's adorable. It, go, uh, YouTube it if you haven't seen it, it's it's adorable. But um, I've heard in a lot of the reviews that she's actually really capable. That very much so, she's actually kind of carrying it the show pretty well. Yes, but but again, it's very much in that CW. Uh, or, or like Supernatural or, or Dawson's Creek kind of thing where like the main character hat like they are investing all of their emotional vulnerability into that main character like from the offset if they're trying to make the audience care about her and about her wants her needs her dreams her visions 
almost a little bit heavy-handedly, but, I mean, like, th there's just parts where they try to make her a little too likable. Like, she, oh. she, she's always got the quick, you know, the, the snappy retort and, the, and the, the witticisms, and it just... For all her faults and, 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 and self-doubt, it, I never really got the idea that she was out of control in any situation. So maybe it's, it's just maybe teenage bravado or, or teenage uh, ego. I don't know. But Yeah, I got you. I got you. I, I smell what you're stepping in, for yeah. sure. But yeah, no, so you would say she's pretty capable in it, though? Like, she's, she's doing a pretty good job? Yeah, but more more will be revealed though. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, it, it it's it's teenage bravado coupled with like, oh my god, this is the most embarrassing moment of my life, and I will never ever right. recover from this. You know, good for her though, man. I'm happy for. Her. I'm gonna tune in as soon as I can. I uh... it's it's pretty interesting to see. Like I said, just it's it's shot in a very uh, very dynamic, very visually interesting, appealing style. So it's what's her? I know uh, she. The show got a lot of shit for changing her power set because yeah. in in the comic book she is an inhuman and inhumans are people that are infected with the Terrigen Mists and then they develop it's like mutants but they're not born. Sorry, I'm just gonna push up my glasses on. This yeah, so but can... so in that she's a she's a uh, an inhuman and she gets the power to she's a body morph. Body morph, yeah. It's a different. There's a technical term for it that they call it, but yeah. She's a body morph where she can stretch and grow her fists and change sizes. And yeah, stuff like she's that basically Mr. Fantastic meets like Ant Man in terms of she can get bigger, smaller, change any part of her body to fit any scenario kind of right. thing. In the in the show, they change it to it's like an amulet or a necklace. It is. Or something, it is. Right? It's it's a bracelet that ah. her that her great grandmother sent over from Pakistan. I guess I I, I haven't gotten that far into it. Um, but yeah, in, instead of her body changing, it's like cosmic power projections of the thing so like she goes to save this girl who's who's falling from this great height and like she just sticks her hand out and all of a sudden this big huge like oversized fist made out of like rainbow colors comes out and, and catches her so it's kind of green lanternish little bit green lanternish ish lanternish lanternish double down lanternish <laughs> anyways um yeah, it, it's good. It's it's worth a look. It's it's definitely um, it's got me intrigued, but it's not my favorite Marvel series so far, for sure. I'm also okay accepting sometimes, like I'm not the target audience for mm -hmm, something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's plenty of stuff. I'm like, all right, it's cool, but I'm not I'm not the target audience. You know? I mean, case in point, like you and I love the Hawkeye series, and that was arguably one of the lowest viewed series that they've done so far. So yeah, it's, but you and I love it. So. Yeah, it's it's my personal favorite. I don't think it's their best, but it's my personal favorite. I fucking love that show. In fact I plan on rewatching it here very soon. But um cool. So Miss Marvel, um we'll wait to give it the final ratings, all these T V shows. You know what? Kinda... I'm gonna give it uh two and a half cosmic stars. I like it. You've heard it here first. Write that down. Episode one, two and a half cosmic stars. And yes, sometimes we give you the out of, sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's that, that could be two and a half out of 3.1. Who knows? It could be two and a half out of 10,000, whatever. Listen, you watch it and you decide how accurate I am. Exactly. <laughs> and it, let's say we're, we're rating Obi-Wan Kenobi. Michael said, might say, well, that's six lightsabers. Does a lightsaber hold more weight than a cosmic star? You have to watch the know. show to find out. Some, they have different, yeah. But that's the rating system that we do here at What You Been Watching. And if you don't like it, just write to us at uh, yeah, What You Been Watching <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com. Also available at uh, Deadly Bros Podcast on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. That's a double Give us your rating system. Right. That's a double plug. <laughs> yeah, you can put that on your bingo check mark. 
put that on your bingo checkbox for when we uh, when we make up a new rating system, or completely forget to plug the yeah. <laughs> plug the yeah. Plug all the... <laughs> Uh, so I also got on my notes here, American Werewolf. Is that in Egypt? Is this in Mexico? Uh, is this, this would in be Puerto in, Rico? This would be in the London variety, Oh, sir. London. Yeah. That, that uh, particular film. Yeah, I was re-watching it just trying to do a, um, really a shot-by-shot analysis, sort of just paying attention to the editing and how they go from one scene to another. And I gotta say... It's a really tight movie. Like, there's not a lot of wasted shots, but the ones that are wasted are glaringly obvious. Like, oh, they just needed to fill some ADR here, or or what have you. Like, God bless bad ADR. <laughs> ADR is when you hear a, an actor drop a line in post, and it's like their back is completely turned to the camera, or something like that. And yeah, so I, right. I love you, that. ADR. Usually, what happens is is something <laughs> happens in editing to where the script calls for you to say X, Y, Z and then lead into this, but we don't have that footage, so we need you to come in and record a, you know, a, a back shot of you just saying, well, what I would do is I would turn up the frag- fragilator and reverse the ionic pol- polarization or what have you, you know, like... Yeah. They do it a lot in comedy movies as somebody's running away or they zoom the camera out and the conversation still continues. Right. They do it a lot in those. So, yeah, I love bad ADR, man. It's, it's always makes my day. But anyways, you were talking about a shot-for-shot shot Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, again, just I love that movie. It's, it's probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time. But shot-for-shot, shot, that's not a bad movie. Like, even the opening sequence of, you know, they're playing uh, Blue Moon and it's set in the, in the Scottish Moors... And the very first opening shot is this car coming out of the mist. And all you see is just faint headlights in the distance. And they get brighter and brighter. And it looks like a a demon or an an animal coming out of the mist. Until all of a sudden the the, the truck is in view. And you're like, okay, this is just, you know, this is something recognizable and and easy to digest. Um, They do a really, really good shot of, good job of, of hiding the hiding the, 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 the werewolf and how janky and animatronic it looked. Um, I mean, shout out to Stan Winston. No, that was uh, Rick Baker. It was Rick Baker. Rick yeah, Baker, yeah. The great yeah, yeah. Rick Baker. He won, got, what, yeah. like 16 Oscar nominations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Rick that? Baker. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, like, if you watch the behind-the-scenes footage, like, it's very, like, you can see that there's somebody right behind the werewolf moving the, the joysticks and the animatronics. And for the most part, they do a really, really good job of hiding that. It's a lot of really quick cuts of like, you know, somebody thrashing on the ground and you see a, 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 a flash of werewolf teeth as he jumps across the screen and like you hear the howl and then they cut back to some dude just blood splurting out and then you just see the werewolf eyes and they move immediately off camera in a blur and like it does a really, really good job of showing you the werewolf, but they never actually show you the werewolf. I think until the very, very last scene when he's in Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen that movie in probably a decade, man. It's been a while, but I remember... It's worth a rewatch. That was the first... I think I first saw it when I was like 12 or 13. I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. I was not... Oh, it's not too scary. Like, I got it. I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. It's a very... It's a very good dark comedy. I mean, it's... Yeah. You know, I remember liking it a lot, though, and then they did the shitty American werewolf in Paris, and I was like, ugh. And I think that's dad was like, my father was like, yeah, well, watch, watch let's watch the original. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I remember liking that one a lot more. Or we or we watched that one right before we saw that one when it came out. But 
I remember them doing a great job of like less is more with the wolf. Like they would yeah. show it, but like you never really got a good look at it until the, the final sequence. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. Which I'm all about, man. Like we know what's going on, but sure, yeah. sure, you're, you're you're never lost in the edits or lost in the cuts. Like it, it's very much like, oh no, we're, we have to show this because then we're going to come back to it, or we have to we have to do this thing in order to set up that later this thing happens. Um, it's a, kind of repetitive in terms of a, a lot of the shots are the same, but it, it's for impact and it's for you to focus on. Like the first time you see it, you don't realize what you're seeing, but then the next time you see it, your brain clicks in and you're going, oh, this is important. Pay attention. Right. You know? Right. Well, cool. So, uh, yeah. Other than that, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it, like an all-time classic though. I, I love that movie. It's, it's phenomenal. Like, it's so well done, and uh, uh, John Landis is a great director. You hear the you hear the 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 song "Blue Moon" in about three different versions of it throughout the entire movie, but every time it's significant and it plays into like, oh, we're about to see some shit happen right now. You it's, know? I remember it's kind of uh, what is it? Oh my gosh, I just took the film studies class and I can't remember what it's called, but. Um... Kind of like the Imperial Mar- it There's a name for it. In diegetic the, or non-diegetic? No, not like that. But it's almost like a theme song or whatever. Or it's like a, a audio or visual cue. That, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like in the first Scarface movie, every time you saw an X on camera, whether it be in shadows or like a street sign that crossed, somebody was going to die. Um, really? I forget what it's called, man. I, I could go look it up, but I'm not going to. So, uh, yeah, yeah. In the first Scarface movie, every time you see a, a, like a shadowed X on screen, or like there's two street signs, or like anything like that, like there'll be the way they position the light and the camera and stuff like that. And there might be an X on this. Really? Yeah. I gotta so go like rewatch that. Actually. Yeah. That's that's yeah, that's I think pretty it's the interesting. 30, 39 Scarface, whatever. Not the not the Al Pacino one. Oh. No, no, no. Oh. Okay. Okay. Because no, I was. No. 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 <laughs> I was like, really? I don't remember that at all. No. 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 Not. Okay. Not the Al Pacino. So the thirty nine. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, look 39. at me, ma. Top of the world. That yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Okay. Yeah, that one. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, cool. No, so, yeah, American Werewolf. Uh, anything else on it? Or? Uh, no, that, that pretty much covers that one. Still uh, on Battlestar Galactica? I am still on Battlestar Galactica. And I've been listening to the Battlestar Galacticast with Mark Bernardin and Trisha Helfer, which they basically just do a episode-by-episode episode rundown. And uh, I've been watching the episode first and then listening to the podcast, and it's really great just getting insight and hearing all these stories from uh, from on the set, from Trisha. And Mark is Mark is a great interviewer. And yeah, he's he sort is. Of like, he's very good at prodding her and poking her in terms of like telling a story and asking the right questions in order to get the, the, the insight that the I really meat. want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. meat of it all. The meats of it all, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Love, love love Battlestar Galactica right now. Chipping uh, away at it, though? Yeah, it's it's usually the thing that I put on when I'm about ready to fall asleep and I, I can kind of drift in and out and then like next night I'll go like, all right, so I clearly didn't watch the second half of this episode. Let me just pick it up there and I'll just continue on, so... That's part of the reason I've not finished BoJack Horseman is I want it, I have like six episodes to go. Mm. And I know I don't. I know. Michael and I have talked about this a lot, but this is my first time revealing it. I am a. I have seen about ninety five percent of BoJack Horseman, probably two hundred times. <laughs> I, I am a huge BoJack fan, but I'm just me too. And I just it's weird because I want to finish it, but every time it's like late at night or I'll wake up and it's like it'll be on an episode. I'm like, oh shit, I don't know what's going on, and I want to go back, but I just can't. 
whenever I'm starting it during the day, I'm never in the mood. I'm just like, all right, I want to watch something silly, like Hooray Todd episode. <laughs> I'll start like season one. I like a lot because it it, it still it kind of hints at the the heaviness that's coming, but it doesn't quite fully get there yet. Right. You know, Bojack's mistakes haven't fully uh, fucked himself over yet. So. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, it hasn't it's all come me. to fruition yet. Yeah, fruition, fruition. That was a stretch. But we got <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, so I'm kind of the same way though, where I, I go back and I'm like, shit, which one was it? So, yeah. which I started it again and I'm like, I'm going to finish it this time. And then I got it to right, right where I get to season six mm-hmm. and I'm like, let me just go back. <laughs> I just want the horse to find happiness. I yeah. don't, don't say anything. I know. Yeah. I me too. I def- I desperately want that horse. That horse is me and I want him to find yeah. happiness so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what else have I been watching? Man, it's all just boils down to, uh. If y'all don't know, I'm a pretty pretty heavy sports guy. I don't really watch the NBA that much, but I've been keeping up with the NBA Finals. Go Celtics. I'm an East Coast guy through and through. Yep. So, go Celts up 2-1 to one right now. How watching. is Larry Bird doing? I know, right? <laughs> my, I'm sorry. That's the end of my sports yeah. my sports knowledge. Uh, uh, I know that Larry Bird was a Celtic at one point, so yep. I'm done. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> now, so I've been keeping up with that. Uh, NBA or NHL playoffs are going on. Keeping up yes. with that. Lightning are down three to one right now. Not good. So uh, in the in the four game series, so that could be over soon. But hey, what back to back champions get? Sometimes you get everyone's best attempt. And I just want to do the hat trick, bro. I, I know, man. And fuck the Rangers. <laughs> Rangers eat nuts. Yeah, fuck all the New York teams. I can't stand y'all. Bunch of bums up there. I'm gonna get hate mail. Like, oh, you're an Eagles fan. So much better. Yeah, yeah, we are. So yeah, we are. We're talking about the city of brotherly love, okay? Yeah. It's in the title. Yep, and no love for you. Anyways, but yeah, I won't bore you with my sports talk, but that's what I've been watching, and then I went back, uh, it, it came on um, Netflix randomly, and it is, I can't, yeah, I can't look at this movie without wanting to watch it, and it was Dumb and Dumber. Nice. I fucking, I don't know how I left that off my list of movies that I that I think are the funniest. <laughs> It's top five for me, man. It's got to be like five, six. It's up there on any given rotation. I've always said when on if you go back and listen to our first episode, we always tell you that this is subject to change at any <laughs> right, time. Right, so right. nothing is set really here in stone, except for when we do a uh, greatest movie villain of all time. That is that is locked stone. in that stone. Is, don't try to fight that. Don't That's try right. to Google points that you can come back and email us and argue about. Listen, because we did the homework. We did the math. The research is done. It's we, done. It's field tested. We did it for you. And if you don't appreciate it, sorry. Don't just Google what I want to be true. <laughs> There's enough of that going on. Jesus. Anyways, but no, uh, Dumb and Dumber was on Netflix and I sat down and watched it. Yeah. I, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. It's yeah. it's one, it's, it's Jim Carrey at his prime. Like at the height of his powers. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's good Farley Brothers. They had a good stretch between... Uh, that movie, there's something about Mary, mm-hmm. me, myself, and Irene, and I'm probably forgetting one or two other ones. They had a good stretch there where they were uh, knocking them out of the park. Didn't they do Citizen Kane? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. But um, I like that movie because it's so rapid fire. Yeah. Like, And I'm also the type of person, like, with a comedy movie, the more familiar I am with it, the funnier it gets to mm-hmm. me. And so I'm like, oh, like, the jokes start to resonate more. So even, like, but even the first time you watch it, let's say, and a joke misses... And they're like, oh, that wasn't funny. You can, and I know that everyone says this word, literally wait 10 to 15 seconds, sometimes less, there's going to be another right, one. It's right, so right. rapid fire right, right. of just joke, 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 silly face. It's, jokes. A, it's a machine gun of jokes. Just the amount of jokes they're turning out per minute is like, oh, here's another one, 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 here's another one. 
So you're going to find something, whether it's the, the diarrhea humor or puns or just them being stupid, you know, like yeah, there's a lot talking of... about the salmon of Capistrano. Yeah. <laughs> or the place where the beer flows like wine. <laughs> and Jim Carrey, I went back and watched it. The scene where he's crying to, uh, to uh, Harry, mm-hmm. when he's like, I'm tired of being a nobody. He actually really crushed it on that one, man. Jim Carrey's a really good dramatic actor. Yeah, he's. I wish he would have got something he could really sink his sink his teeth into. I thought he was really good in Man on the Moon. That was kind of made for him. He was, that was yeah. He was yeah. good in the Truman Show, but like uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless really, Mind yeah. is another really good one. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget Room Twenty Three. Oh my! That was, <laughs> I think it was Number Twenty Three. Oh, I'm sorry, Number Twenty Three. Right. Dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, he's really good in that, and it's it's him at the height of his Jim Carreyness, and I watched it. Beginning to end. It's so freaking funny. And there's so many. Like every time they're in the hot tub, I, I was talking to my girlfriend. I was like, like kind of turned it up a little bit. I was like, what's wrong? There's some little Philly break your heart. <laughs> <laughs> the shit gets me every time though, man. Here's the worst part, man. She sent me a John Deere letter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's so many. Just the dumb shit they say is so good. It's so good. So yeah, I watched that in its entirety. That one, That one's really high on my list. That one is one I can watch. I probably will watch. At least once or twice a year for the rest of my life. Yeah. Anytime it shows that's up on Netflix, it. I'm like, shit. Yeah. Love this movie. It. I wanted to like the sequel so much, but it was just too little too late. Did you ever see the... Not the... I've, not, I've never actually seen the sequel. The the, the Dumb and Dumberer. No, that was the pre... Oh, yeah, that was... Which is... They did a prequel to When Harry Met Lloyd. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was that one. Matthew actually said that was funny because he had no expectations of it. He was just like, this movie going to be trash. And then he thought it was pretty funny. Okay. I never saw it, but whatever. But I know the Dumb and Dumber 2 that they just did like just a few years ago. I totally forgot that they even made that, so. It's not nearly as good. It's way too little, way too late. Yeah. This is like the same year that they did like Zoolander 2, Too Little Too Late, like all that. But what what other early 2000s movie franchise can we dig up and... Right. Skull fuck the corpse. Pretty much. <laughs> but there, it's pretty bad, the sequel, but there are two or three really funny jokes in it. Okay. Like, there's a running gag that's actually pretty funny, but on the whole, it's not... Yeah, but the first one, I think, still stands up to this day. Like, Of course. Of course. And the music is so... The second it, one wasn't directed by the Farrelly Brothers, was it? It might have been. I don't know. I, I don't remember. I should know that, because usually that's my whole forte, right. is knowing shit like that. But Your Will Forte? Yeah, Will Forte. <laughs> Willie Forts? Talking about Willie Forts? <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. It just it missed the mark. But the first one, it's funny because like the music is so indicative of the time. Mm-hmm. And I said that to Angie, and she's like, Marcus, every movie's music is indicative of the time. Mm, yes, yes and no. Yes, but, yes. But they play like Merry Moon, like Merry Moon. And, uh, the, she's a vegetarian. Yeah. We're getting sued, getting sued. Yeah, exactly. This podcast <laughs> is taking right, down. <laughs> Hey, I changed the lyrics. It's okay. It well, works for Weird Al. <laughs> yeah, and they play like the Crash Test Dummies. The name of the song is Mmm, 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 Mmm. Spelled out. The Mmm. Right. Once there was this guy. Yeah. So it's very indicative of the times. And it's funny to go back and listen to it. Because you're like, this was a hit back in the day? <laughs> like, coming up next, the Spin Doctors. <laughs> Two princes. Two princes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways. Just go ahead now. <coughs> yeah. Anyways, that's enough of that. Check that one off of your... Yeah. <laughs> what you've been watching bingo card. Yeah, we bought... We bought <laughs> karaoke. 
bot shit. Anyways, that was enough of that tangent. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber, great movie. Uh, and then I watched uh, Saving Private Ryan. I just got done watching it uh, 20, 30 minutes ago. How was that? Because I have not seen that in probably, I mean, God, I maybe a decade, give or take. I mean, let's just put it like this. It lost Best Picture to Shakespeare in Love. Fuck that. And it should not have. Fuck that. It should not have. Having watched both those ye- both those movies the year that they came out, bullshit on that. Yeah. That's one of the great Oscar snubs of, of all time. It's like, ugh, you got that one completely wrong. Yeah, that and Highlander. Oh, yeah. Well, that, did, <laughs> that did win an Oscar for greatest movie of all time. But, uh, yeah. That's facts. You can't challenge that. That's canon now. Yeah, they even remind you of that in, uh, what is it, Ricky Bobby? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Talladega Nights. So, no, I, uh, but Saving Private Ryan, man, it's really good. I, I saw it a few times when it first came out on VHS or whatever, and then I think I've seen it once or twice since then, and then I hadn't seen it in a long time. How's it stand up? Man, it's fucking great. Like, dude, I was talking to Michael about it, because I, I watched it in two halves, and um, I was saying, that, like, if you just look at, it's directed by Steven Spielberg. But if you just look at his, like, what you would call blockbusters, right. like, if you just take four or five movies, let's say your rep- your uh, resume is E.T., right. Jaws, right. Jurassic Park, right. Avatar. No, it's no I'm sorry, that's James Cameron. Uh, He's uh, Indiana uh, Jones. Indiana Jones, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you, you don't ever have to work again. Right, Those are right, right, phenomenal right, films. Right. You produce the Goonies, like... <laughs> right, right. You don't right, have, like... Right. So you just look at that side. Like Schindler's List. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying you just look at the blockbuster side of his career. And then he does movies like that, and he's like, okay. Because he did Ready Player One as well. But, like, even then. Which made a bunch of movie, but wasn't, like, really critically received very well. Yeah, it was like, eh. Like, eh. I mean, it still made, like, almost a billion dollars, so. Yeah, like, you look at Steven Spielberg's career of just, like, all right, blockbuster movies. You'd be like, okay, well, that's his that's his niche then. That's his thing. He's the guy to go to to bring things on time, on budget, and bring yep. some artistic flair to it. Okay, scratch that. Let's just say those don't exist. It's like, then you look at Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. You look at Munich. Oh, God, You look yeah. at War Horse. Oh, you yeah. look at Lincoln. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All Oscar-nominated films, like, oh, Saving Private Ryan. Right, like, right, right, right. It's right. like Reggie White, like the football player. He was an eagle for a long time. And then I thought he, we were done with sports. Oh, I know. One more. <laughs> okay. It's a good analogy. Okay, go ahead. Go it's ahead. a good analogy. <laughs> Reggie White played for the Eagles for a long time. He's one of the greatest defense players of all time. All right. Just check that off. Yeah, Marcus talk. talks about the Eagles. <laughs> um, but no. And then he switches over to the Packers. All right. If you just Boo. if you just look at his career as an Eagles, you're like at, at the Eagles, you're like, oh, this is a Hall of Fame guy. Sure. And then you just look at his career at the at Packers, Packers, you're like, yeah. oh yeah, this is a Hall of Fame right, guy. Right. And then you combine both of them, it's like. He's probably the greatest player of all time. Yeah, he's up there. It's like him, Jason Taylor. He's like, you know, he's up there on the list. But that's my point about uh, Steven Spielberg. You could take just one half of his, like, mm-hmm. artsy stuff and be like, oh, this guy's incredible. Or you just look at his blockbuster stuff and you're like, oh, this guy's one of the greatest to ever do it. He changes the landscape of cinema. Like, <laughs> right. Like, fuck me. You get Jura- Jaws and Jurassic Park on the same field. You're like, oh, cool. Like, man, he had E.T. I mean, like, literally changed the idea of the summer blockbuster. Like, was the originator of the summer blockbuster. And then in 92, 93, with Jurassic Park, was like, I'm just going to revamp that. So here you guys go. Here's another, like, everybody's going to just talk about this for the rest of their lives yeah. type movie. Yeah. Stands the absolute test of time right. film. Right. Like, right. Right. go fuck who you are. Turn on Jurassic Park, the first one now. Like, you're probably going to watch it. I remember watching that movie for the first time. 
and just the feel where you, you remember the scene where they, where they roll in uh, El, El, uh, Ellie Sattler and Dr. Grant and John Hammond are all rolling in on the on the Jeep and then they do the wide shot and they reveal and then they just it's a whole valley of, of dinosaurs just hold on that, hold that thought anyway sorry but yeah like the just I I remember being so in sync with with the characters on screen of just like being blown away of like this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen and it's every like six-year-old boy's childhood dream brought to life of like you're talking about real live dinosaurs yeah you Real live dinosaurs, like just being blown away by that. Just and I, like I'm in high, you know, middle school yeah, at this point, you know. Yeah. yeah, like like just being like, but you you put that on today, and I still get the same charge of like, oh my god, here it, yeah, here it comes, yeah, here it comes, yeah. Yeah. When they shine the the light into the dinosaur in the T Rex's eyes and it right. dil- oh man it, it dilates. dilates and then they pull the light away and it fucking expands again fucking like brilliant. that's such a great like something to be said for technical practical effects yeah like, dude. he's the dude man so I went back and I'm watching uh, my friend Ryan Dunn big shout out to you buddy Dunn G he uh, he invited me to go see the new Jurassic World tomorrow uh, Friday night seven thirty so I'm gonna go do that but I probably should have watched some of the other Jurassic parks but eh. I was like, Saving Private Ryan. I actually turned it on, Saving Private Ryan, pivoting back to that outside of Steven Spielberg. But, um, yeah, I turned it on because I was like, we talked about the cold open of, mm-hmm. a little while ago, one of our earlier episodes. Yeah. I was like, yo, that shit is really good. And I sat down. Is that like, a real cold open? I mean, pretty much. I mean, it is, but it's it actually opens with the old old version of, of Private Ryan, Matt Damon walking to the cemetery. Right. And it's very Dewey Cox's where it's like he's got to think about his whole life. <laughs> Dewey Cox has to think about his, his whole, whole life before he goes on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is, um, but it's still kind of, I don't know. It is, to my, in my opinion, it is. Because it's very much like, and here's your movie, go. So, but no, it's, I mean, that opening is, is fucking incredible. Like, I, I apparently that's why they didn't win the Oscar is I think it, the rumor is, is uh, for Best Picture, Saving Private Ryan. The reason why they didn't win the Oscar to uh, Shakespeare in Love is uh, apparently, and this is just the rumor, like Harry Weinstein and some other guys. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey, yeah, Harvey, Harry, whatever. <laughs> Harry met Lloyd, all that. <laughs> right. You know, all, you know all Harry Weinstein. Yeah, I'm all over the map today, and I'm sorry for that. The yeah. one Weinstein brother that wasn't accused of yeah, some very horrendous things, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, I'm all over the map. I, I know what I'm talking about right, most right. of the time, but Michael's here to catch me. But, um, no, apparently they had said that, oh, well, all the movies just, it's the first 15 minutes, so the rest of it's not that good. And so, but I, I would think that it doesn't matter, because you would have to see the, the yeah, movie anyways. Right, like, like so, there's plenty of, like, if, if, the 15, if the first 15 minutes sucks me in, and then the rest of it is shit, I don't give a fuck about the first 15 minutes, right, you know? Right. Like, so, I don't know, that was the rumor I read, who fucking knows, though? First 15 minutes of the original Suicide Squad was great. Yeah. And then the... Everything after that was just a big muddled butt fuck of what what the hell's going on. Floating trash in the sky. <laughs> yeah, but no. Floating trash in the sky. That's what it is. Yes. That's what it is. But, Carla Delvine gyrating. Yeah, less about that. Yeah, but uh, no. So sorry, I, Matthew's getting traumatized. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but uh, no, but I turned it on to watch the the opening sequence, 
Um, and just got sucked in. And I was like, oh shit. And I hadn't seen it in so long, but man, I, I was talking to Michael earlier. I forgot about the scene. Um, they they kidnap or they they take this one German prisoner at one point in the movie, and he's like digging this, these holes for the graves that his buddies just killed or whatever. Yeah, they they storm like a bunker and they kill everybody except for one person. Yeah, and they're kicking one, one German. Let's call him a Nazi. One Nazi. Yeah, uh, and he's they're making him dig, and he's like, oh, they're just trying to give him a reason to keep him alive, and he's like, uh. He's like, oh, Mickey Mouse, Steamboat Willie, yeah, yeah, talking like, fuck Hitler, all this stuff. Right. And uh, Tom Hanks' character lets him go, and at the end of the movie... Uh, lets him go, but says, he blindfolds him and, and binds his hand and just basically says, you're going to walk a thousand, paces. a thousand paces this way, remove your blindfold and turn yourself into the first patrol that you see. Right. Right. And at the end of the movie, after the giant climax, where they're trying to stop the tanks... That same soldier comes back, and I forget, what was his, uh... Upham. Upham, yeah, Upham. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the like... The one dude that was advocating for them not to kill, like, like he, he was he was the one dude that was that was advocating not to kill the, na- the, 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 the Nazi. Yeah, like, the Nazi prisoner. We can't, we can't do this, like, it's, it's not humane, yada, yada, yada. Like, he literally convinced them to let him go. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, he's the only character Upham hasn't killed anybody the whole movie. He's like a translator and like a, he's a... He's like, I brought his typewriter, and Tom Hanks yeah. is like, you're leaving. It's a loss of innocence story. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, up him? And up him just, pow, just shoots him, right? <laughs> let's all the, like, the other eight members that he was with, let's all them go. But he's like, you motherfucker. I forgot about that scene. Right, right. It was like, oh, shit. What, that was... You already got a free pass, and you're right back in this? Yeah, he's like, Come they on. were... Yeah, they were right, kind of thing. Yeah, but... No, that's a great movie, and, like, everybody's in that shit, man, like... Vin Rames, uh, Barry Pepper, no, no Barry, not Vin, uh, Vin, uh, Diesel. Vin Diesel, right? What's the guy? Vin Rames. It's uh, he's been in everything. He was in The Gift, Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah, Giovanni Ribisi. Dude, yeah. that guy's been in fucking everything. Like, so underrated performance of the week. It goes. Giovanni, well, can I give two? We can make it a tie. We can make. Shout there's out, no rules here. Shout out to Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper's also, also Barry been Pepper. In fucking yeah. everything. He plays the sniper and he's like super religious, like he's doing prayers and stuff as yeah. he's like picking people off from like a thousand yards away yeah. in a tower. Yeah. 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 No, they, those two have been in a tremendous amount of movies, and you're always like, "Who is that guy?" He's snap famous. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. like, "Oh, you, that guy. That guy. Yeah, uh, what in, was he in? Uh, uh, who was in that movie? Uh, yeah, the Green Mile. All right, yeah." Right, right. And Giovanni uh, Ribisi, or yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been in a ton of shit too. He was in Ted. He was in Million uh, Days Die in the West. Right, Gift, yeah, yeah. Um, bunch of stuff in the '90s. The one one movie with Claire Danes. Um, shit, I don't even remember. But whatever. I remember the cover. I remember the cover. <laughs> okay, the one with Claire Danes yeah, with the cover. With the cover. They had a cover. He looked. <laughs> was in color. I don't know. Very. Some people said some shit. I don't remember. I don't know. But um, yeah. Those. So shout out to those two underrated performances of the week: Barry Pepper, Giovanni Ribisi. Okay. Um, Paul Giamatti's in that movie. He was pretty fucking good in everything. Paul Giamatti was in that? Yeah, he's in what it too. Play? Uh, he's one of the guys that they meet up with on the way to go find Ryan. Oh, like like one of the other soldiers that they like in like one of the other uh, battalions that they encounter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And they have like a little shootout and whatever, and then yeah, go on and so right on. Right. yeah, he's a, yeah, there's a ton of people in it, man. Um, yeah, good movie though, man. I give it a. What, what do I want here? Uh, 11 Panzers. There you go. Panzers? 11 Panzers. Wow. Yep. That's Das Panzers? Das Panzers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the scene where they're taking the bridge and they're completely outmanned and they're like, well, they're, they have to come through this bridge that's at the very end. A, that's such a dynamic scene. Like, it's so they, emotionally invested in that. Oh, dude. At that point, and it's like, 
and the what he tells Ryan at the very end after when he's dying on the bridge and he's shooting his pistol at the at the tank or whatever, and he tells him, "Earn, earn it. this, earn, earn this. this, yeah, earn this." And yeah, that's that's a really powerful scene because it's like the whole time he's like, "I'm not leaving this bridge. I'm not leaving my company." And Tom Hanks is like, "I understand his dedication. I do." Right. It's like, dude, we've lost a lot of dudes to get to you. We lost men to get to you. So like, if you die, it's all for nothing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I understand that you have a, a compulsion to, to duty. I understand that you have a, 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 a need to help out your, your fellow soldier. But in the same breath, this is your out. And do you yeah. understand that like any other person in your company would kill right now to be in your position of like, you get a free pass back home. Yeah. And also, it may very well be Tom Hanks' ticket back home to go back teaching and going to his wife and his rose bushes. And he even said that, but but he also understands Tom Hanks's character the geographical significance of keeping that bridge. He's like they've blown all the other ones, so it's this bridge and one more. And if was it confusing to you where like he started off as a little boy and then he grew into a man and he was storming the beaches at Normandy? Was that or... yeah? That's the prequel. Oh, oh, okay. Am yeah. I am I conflating two things? Yes, you are. Okay, but I'm sorry. <laughs> those are those are two different movies. Yes. Didn't he? Didn't the movie start out with he goes and sees this like uh, the fort? Yeah, Zoltar, yeah. the the fortune teller. Yeah, and then he ends up in war. He gets drafted when he turns into an right. adult. Right. Okay. 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 Yeah, that's that's the, that's the premise of the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> conflating stories is a, a new segment on what you've been watching. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, great movie though, man. Ten out of ten Panzers or eleven, whatever I gave it. I don't know. It's really good <laughs> shit. I lose track sometimes. All right. Um, other than that, the only other thing I've been up to is I went to my first comic book convention, and uh, or it wasn't even a comic; book, it was just a first convention mm-hmm. here in town, the Infinity Con. It was pretty cool, man. Yay, Infinity Con! Yeah, it's got uh, two new, two very cool new comic books. I got a uh, Demon in a Bottle, one of the first issues of that, the the very famous Iron Man story, and uh, I got Secret Wars number seven as we're filling out our uh, our wall book oh, collection here. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, other than that, though, do you want to take for a break and mention our sponsors? Yeah, let's hear uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Uh... Laserdisc. Laserdisc. Yep. Do you still want to play Dragon's Lair? <laughs> Laserdisc. Laserdisc at your local retro video game store. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. And we're back, and we want to thank our sponsors, Laserdisc. Laserdisc. The Sega Saturn of multimedia players. <laughs> anyways, anyways, uh, we are also have seen a movie here recently. Uh, oh, son! We saw it with our father, Father X, aka Captain, aka uh, Daddy X, aka, AKA Dadu. Dadu. Yeah, and he was generous enough to take us to. Oh all man, we were hanging with the boys, and then you took my breath away, and we went right into the danger right zone. Right into the danger zone. Indeed. This is what happened. We saw. Top Gun 2 Maverick, or Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun 2, Whatever. colon. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise pursues his his one-man attack against the MCU. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, uh, I enjoyed it a lot, man. What did you think about it, just on a, on a quick synopsis? I mean, it was really good. It's it's cotton candy movie in terms of, you know, it's all fluff and it's, it's there's not really a deeper, you know, message to it. It's, it's just all... 
popcorn munching and staring open faced at the screen and just going like, oh, that was cool, right? Yeah, so. the message is go USA. <laughs> USA, yeah. USA. That's the message. No, uh, I enjoyed it. We'll do a quick plot synopsis. Is, and I'll just tell you my honest opinion mm-hmm. is that all the, the the acting and everything's fine in it. Everyone plays their parts pretty well. I don't, I'd walk to it and go, oh my God, that person was terribly cast or anything like that. But it's just... Everything that happens outside of the Jets is not nearly as engaging. And it's, oh, for uh, sure. It's for very, sure. Uh, we saw it in Dolby, and it's very, you know, like just nonstop, just sound effects and in your face, just with the explosions and the zooming. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of really cool shots that they 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 did with, like, actual fighters, and, and like, they're filming from a cockpit. It's not... Uh, Gone are the days of the miniatures and the the remote control airplanes that they zoom in on to make it look like they're actual fighter jets. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 actually Tom Cruise strapped to a strapped to a to a plane doing his thing. Uh, yeah, you gotta love or hate the guy. You gotta give him credit for his level of commitment. Like ever since the he started, I forget, I think it was three. Uh, the Mission, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible yeah. three. He started like or two. I know he rode a lot of the motorcycles and stuff. But like three, he was just like, all right, we're gonna have one. Like life, possible life-ending stunt that I am going to do, and then it's just escalated since then. Uh, like I know the most recent Mission Impossible movie strapped himself to a plane and stuff like that. Yeah. That actually took off, and in this one, I gotta respect his commitment in Top Gun because they, he had said that like there's no way to replicate the sense of G's on an actor, like when the plane's going that fast and the look of someone's face. Right, and um, you could tell there was a lot of insert shots where whoever the pilot was probably did an actual barrel roll or something like that and the actors didn't know about it and so some of the reactions are very like so you go oh, oh shit fuck right yeah yeah and they, <laughs> they brace and like the actual look of fear is, is pretty real so um, see i i, I would I respect like it i would like to believe that but but throughout most of the movie he has that like pilot mask on and so you're not even seeing his reactions like it it is him in the cockpit reacting but it doesn't translate very well visually Yes, and no. I was talking about Tom Cruise will never show fear. That is, <laughs> that is in his religion is to be. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about that. But uh, it's not a religion, Marcus. It it's a way of life. Yeah. Well, either way. Even though they get tax it's credits, like a religion. <laughs> um, if you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. Uh, but no, like Miles Teller. Or don't. Yeah, don't yeah. get on the same watch list I am. Um, no, but like Miles Teller, there was a shot where he would he had strapped into the talk about Miles's Tellers. Miles Tellers is of the Fan Forstic fame and yes. uh, Whiplash fame. That's uh, right. He's good in it. Uh, but yeah, they do a couple insert shots of like him and some of the other guys where they'll do a sudden maneuver in the jet, and you can see the actual look of like, oh, okay, okay, cool. They kind of brace themselves. Yeah. And so some of it you could tell was was kind of pre-planned that way. It's, they might have told him like, hey, we're gonna go up, do up, just do a quick run, and right. then they. They just needed. They only need the shot once. So right, right. They're just them all of a sudden punching into like, like Mach four or whatever. Yeah. Like oh fuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta give. I gotta respect his dedication to actually getting up there and doing it. He taught the actors how to work some of the cameras because the the confinement space was so small that it's not like they could have a camera crew up there with them in real oh, yeah. time. Yeah, so yeah. like those those fighter jets are weighted down to like the ounce. Yep. You know. Yep. So they were. Whatever the best version of GoPro is, they pretty much had, <laughs> it, like, monitoring them the whole time. And so they, I got to respect the commitment to it. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Though. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, do you want to give them a quick, just plot synopsis? Again, I don't, 
the plot outside of them being in the Jets is, is interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just sort of run down basic plot, and we're just going to go ahead and say spoiler <laughs> alert for this, just because, uh, I mean, the movie's been out for almost a month now yeah, by the time recording, so... It's creeping into the billion-dollar mark, so a yeah, lot of people have seen it. Right, so. right, so I don't think, you know... It, yeah, we're we're not ruining it for for the legions. It's still enjoyable, <laughs> even if you know what happens. But you can probably guess what happens. Uh, so so it opens on on Tom Cruise, and he I guess he's living his post Top Gun life. Uh, he's got a, a a job as a he's still working for the Navy, but he's never been uh, he's never advanced in in his rank at all. He's he's never gone up as far as like. Res- like in terms of respectability within the within the fighter pilot community, he's just been that dude who's like he's still Maverick, you know, like he's still doing his own thing, and we can't really rely on him, but he kind of gets the job done. So he's graduated from being a rookie hotshot straight out of the academy to he's the old so, hotshot. Yeah. <laughs> he's now a loose cannon. Right, 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 right. So anyways, yeah. So anyway, so he's a test pilot, and we open on him, and he's he's. Uh, doing a job where he's testing a plane that is supposed to be a hypersonic jet. Uh, the day of testing, like he, he talks to his, his flight coordinator and they're supposed to do Mach 9. But as we find out, Ed <coughs> Harris is coming down to, as we find out, Ed Harris is coming down to shut the program down because it's too expensive. They're focusing now on more on drone warfare and un, unmanned aircraft because... That's the future. It, it's the way of the future. Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, uh, Tommy Cruises is, steals the jet and convinces his flight coordinator to let him go up just one more time. The The end goal that they were going for was Mach 10. They thought they had more time. The, on the docket for the day was supposed to be Mach 9. So, Tom Cruise just says, well, fuck it. Let's just go for Mach 10. Uh, which his flight quarter basically tells him, like, all right, so if we do this, it's Mach 10, not Mach 10.2, not... Mach 10.5, not Mach 11, yeah. Mach 10. Let's just, let's, let's show that we can do this. And you can see how that goes. You could probably guess that, you know, being what it is, he hits Mach 10 and then he just decides, come on, baby, just a little bit more. Yep. And plane explodes. He has this whole crash to earth and this really funny scene where he's walking into like this, like, I guess it's Nevada or New Mexico or Utah, Some, like one, yeah. one of the desert states. But he's walking into this des- this this desert diner, like straight out of the 1950s, and he's got his like it looks kind of like a spaceman uniform. And he's all burned out and stuff, and he asks the he asks the waitress like, "Where am I?" And the little kid pipes up and he goes, "Earth." Yeah, it's kind of cute. <laughs> he just walks up, grabs the water that the waitress is holding, and just houses it. Just yeah, <laughs> just yeah. shotguns it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then he gets sent to teach at Top Gun, but not to be an instructor. He's sent there to to teach for a very specific mission that requires... Basically, he's to draw from, from a pool of all of the best Top Gun graduates from the past, like, five or six years or whatever. Yeah. Um, for a very specific mission where they are to fly into a mountainous region and do this really extreme vertical lift and drop into the, the crater of a mountain in order to blow up a 
I think it's a uranium refinement plant yeah, or something like that. Some unnamed country. They don't they don't get into that. Oh, they they never ever tell you what country it is. It could be Afghanistan, it could be Abu Dhabi, yeah. it could be Norway for all we know. Yeah. Cuz it seems to have desert, mountain and snow. Yep. yep. <laughs> so, I don't know what country that is, but that's what they got. Yeah. Uh so yeah, they they end up ultimately what they tell them the mission is they have to do like a Death Star trench run, pretty much. Literally, literally. And they have uh, anti aircraft guns all along the mountain ridge line, and if you go above a hundred feet, I think they I think it's uh, six hundred feet. I think it was less than that. The, no, the the bottom deck was a hundred feet. The max deck was like six hundred. Yeah, feet. yeah, whatever it was. So anyway, but it's it's a real tight yeah tight window. Yeah. Check if, our math; it doesn't matter. If you go above the line, pretty much. You draw you the uh, anti-aircraft guns will pick you up and they can fire at you then all the SAM missiles or whatever like that surface-to-air missiles, and so um, you got to do the super winding path and then at the end of it there's this giant mountainous you have to gun it straight up and then flip your plane over and then drop down into a mountain and fire a rocket a la Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There's two teams of jets uh, of two there's four jets two teams. The first team has to there's like a little ventilation system. Mm-hmm. The first team has to blow up the ventilation system, opening up a pipeline into right. the thing. And then the second team has to drop a bomb. Laser to, point it. La- yeah. Laser target it. right, And then drop a bomb, which is going to set off a chain reaction, a la the Death Star. Yeah. It literally is the Death Star run. Yeah. Which, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad they stole from Star Wars and we're just like, we'll take that. Thank yep. you. Why not? I mean, <laughs> why not? Yeah. So that's yeah. the mission, pretty much. So, uh, Maverick is, I don't know why I said it like that. Maverick. I don't know either. Uh, Maverick is, is sent to. Tom Cruise characters. Tommy Cruise's is, is sent to basically be the teacher for the mission. And he's supposed to weed out from a, a pool of, I think it's 12 contestants. Like eight or 12, something like that. He's, he's supposed to pick the top, uh, six to run the mission. The four. Yeah. It's. Well, no, cause, cause one of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Either one, way. one of the planes is is single is single pilot, and the other two planes are dual pilots. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, you're anyway, right. anyway. Um, so, of course, in walks in walks the drama aspect of it, aka Rooster Milesers Tellses. Yeah, Miles Teller. Uh, who? What's his his call sign? His call sign is Rooster. Right, right, right. Yeah. And he is uh, Goose's son from the first movie. You know, talk to me, Goose. Like yeah. that guy. Which they um, say a lot, talk to me, Goose. A lot. It becomes a very central theme of this movie, yeah. uh, is talking to Anthony Michael Hall. Yep. That's Goose. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, of course, there's drama and conflict there because um, Rooster blames... Uh, What's his name? Pete. Uh, Pete Mitchell. Pete Mitchell. That's it. Yeah. Maverick. Maverick. Blames Maverick for his father's death in terms of like, you know, you always were trying to replace my dad and, and be the dad that I never needed. I already had one and you fucked that up for me. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we found out that Tom Cruise also pulled his paperwork to join the Top Gun Academy. Oh, setting, that's right. Setting his career. No, no. Pulled his paper for the Naval Academy. Oh, either one. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Pulled it. So he set his career back like four years or something. Because I was wondering, I was like, how are these people my age when this movie came out when I was like before me? You know what I mean? It yeah, most sense. Naval Academy... Applicants are like 18, 19 years yeah. old. Like, I mean, really hot shot motherfuckers. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, so he, so he's real resentful about that, and then you meet the colorful cast of characters. There's this dude Hang. Everyone has the interesting nicknames. There's like Hangman is a guy. He he had, he got his nickname because he always leaves his teammates out to dry right. and stuff like that. He always leaves his teammates hanging. There's and he's the, he's the typical like. 80 style bully like oh 100 yeah yeah i mean it, it's literally uh bill paxton from like weird science or something like that or uh, uh <laughs> any 80s movie ever where robert downey jr from uh pretty in pink or, or not uh not not robert jr who am i thinking of um he played ultron uh oh james spader james spader james spader yes yeah yeah uh it's, I mean, it's literally just ripped style. from, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's total 80s, 80s move. Um, yeah, and then there's... Uh, Phoenix is the, the woman there, and she has something to prove, and then there's Bob. Who which, by the way, is the most unrealistic part of this whole movie. A female oh, pilot? Like, interesting joke. Do you know why Helen Keller could never be a pilot? I don't know why. Because she's a woman, dummy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, plowing ahead, plowing ahead. Um, yeah. So you meet the colorful cast. There's a dude, Bob. His name's Robert. They call him Baby on Board. Thing. It's, it's a penis joke ultimately because he's it's a baby arm, whatever, baby right. arm boy, whatever. So, um, yeah. You meet the cast of characters. They're all pretty interesting. They're all they all kind and of. And we just there. we continue to whittle them down as the movie goes. Like they're dropping like flies, and you're not cut out. You're not cut out. Yeah. yeah. So ultimately, the movie takes place. You, you meet everybody, and then. The training sequences start going on, and the first one is really cool because it's it's uh, teams working against Maverick to try to shoot him down with like there's no actual ammo or anything like that. But if they're he, doing they're if doing he like get, laser painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he gets a lock on your jet, then you have to bet you have to do 200 push-ups. And right. so there's this montage of everybody going up, and everyone you know you see the first set of pilots go up, Miles Teller and some other people, and then he loses, so he's doing 200 push-ups, and everyone's giving him shit, and they're like, oh, let me show you how it's done. And then you just start seeing everyone doing push-ups right, right, as right. The, the montage goes on. And really, it's just a series of training. Mo- they have like two weeks to get ready, or whatever it is, three weeks to get ready for this mission. Right. And so it's just a series of training montages and tough guy attitudes. And, and, and I'll say, I, I think that this might be my main problem with the movie is like, this all takes place in the second act. And the second act is where you're supposed to be like building tension and, and like things are supposed to be happening. And nothing really happens other than, like, we're just showing over and over again that Maverick is, like, the top gun and none of these little jits can keep up with him, you know? So, I mean, like, but it, but it's, like, it goes on for, like, 45 minutes where you're just, like, all right, we get it. Like, can we can we, can we we just move on and, and one of these dudes has to shoot him down at some point, right? I mean, I, it worked in Iron Man. Oh, I, I, <laughs> all the second act of Iron Man is is him training and getting better and building more sense and... <laughs> Right, but that was building character, and that was that was getting us invested in Tony Stark getting better at his craft. Like when we come into this, Maverick is already yeah. the best at his craft, and like he's not doing these kids any favor. He's just he's embarrassing them constantly. Yeah. So I don't know. It was it was one of those like editing points where I was like, eh, you might like you need to have a scene where one of the kids like almost shoots him down or like he he. Like, there, there was a scene in the first Top Gun where he shot down, Maverick shot down his trainer, but he had to go below, quote-unquote, the, the hard deck to yeah. do it. So, below, <laughs> the, below the, the pre-approved flight plan in order to do it. And his whole point is like, well, I did it. Like, and if we're in a real-world scenario and I have to drop down below the hard deck to do yeah. it, 
then I win. So he, he Kobayashi Maru'd him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there was never that scene. So it's yeah. just it's just Maverick embarrassing these little kids over and over and over and over again till finally the point where they're like, they're all like, we don't want to do this anymore. Fuck this, you know? Like, yeah, we're not learning anything. Yeah, yeah. We've learned that you're better than us and we ain't shit. Right, 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 right. So I don't know. That one of my main gripes with the movie. But continue, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, everyone also has like a very fast and furious attitude. Oh, like, very much. The machismo's racked up to 11 in this one, like 100%. Um, but yeah, it's a series of training montages that goes on and on, and it's you kind of get the point. Um, and then, ultimately, we find out um, Valley Kilmer makes his appearance in the movie. Valley Kills? Valley Kilmer, the incomparable. I'm your Huckleberry. Yep, yep. The incomparable Valley Kilmer uh, makes an appearance as Iceman. And it was really kind of nice when you hear some of the behind-the-scenes stuff when the movie came out. Tom Cruise was talking about Val Kilmer, and he's like, we couldn't do the movie without Val. Like, we really, like, and even the director said that, like, uh, he's the guy who directed Tom Cruise in Oblivion. I forget what his name is at the moment, but um, either way. He was saying, he gave all credit to, uh, uh, yeah, it was Jerry Bruckheimer, the director, gave credit to uh, Tom Cruise for saying, like, he was the one that got Val Kilmer to come back. Mm-hmm. He was the one that, like, really pushed it and said, like, dude, I know that you've got the throat cancer. I know you're using a voice box and everything. Can, like can we talk about that for a minute? Like, Yeah, Val Kilmer uh, had a, a bout with cancer, and uh, he has lost his voice. Mm-hmm. And um, he kind of, he stopped doing movies. He did a movie, he, it started to get better for a while, and then it, it got worse, and mm-hmm. so they ended up just had a, what is it, a laryngectomy or whatever? Uh, sure, yeah, whatever it is. Where they, lycanthropy, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> now he's a werewolf, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he's using a voice box and everything, which is a really sweet thing that they did for him. Actually, he does speak in the movie. He kind of whispers through it. He kind of uh, talks like this a little bit. Well, but that was that was a computer generated. Yeah. Uh, like they 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 like did a, AI, like a voice yeah. analysis kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but. but the way that they get around that is for most of the movie, he's actually doing like a talk to type thing. Like he, he's on his computer and he's typing out his whole conversation with Maverick about like, you, you need to show the kids the way you need to let go of your, your, he's, it's not a talk to type thing. He, he actually does speak to him, but he does, he, he only has, he uh, types it on like this old MS DOS thing. Yeah. It's like this <laughs> black, black screen with like white lettering. And he's, he only writes like a few sentences, but they're all very poignant. Like, right. And I mean, they they literally point to the same sentence like four times as the emphasis of like, oh no, that's the answer. Yeah, that's, that's the, the answer. answer. Yeah. That's the answer. Which I got to give Tom Cruise credit. Um, he really pulls the emotional weight of that scene together. He, he I, really. I agree. Because you know they they show Val and it's like good. I'm so glad that he's in it. You know, I'm a I'm a Val Kilmer fan. Just Always for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang alone and freaking yeah, you were Batman forever. But. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say Tombstone, but yeah, yeah he, also Batman Forever. Yeah, he, he's—I like that guy. Um, so yeah, it was nice that he was in it. But you find out he's kind of been keeping Tom Cruise because at any point in this movie, everyone would be dishonorably discharged. We can get into that in, in a in little, little bit. bit there, there's, yeah. there's a very there's a scene that there's very much four. touches on that where I where we can talk about how fucked in the military these guys would be. Yeah. Um, so you kind of find out that he's been the one that's kind of looking out for Tom Cruise because they have this deep bond and he's, he's, uh, Val Kimmel's risen up in rank. So he has, a little, he's an admiral now. Yeah. So he's got a little weight to throw around. So he's been kind of looking out for his boy. So, um, it's kind of a touching scene that Val Kimmel's in it. Um, John Hamm is also in the movie. He is kind of like the acting. He's the one overseeing the, the entire mission, the, 
he he would be the commanding officer of the mission, of this yeah. Death Star run that they're right, doing. Right, right, right. And so he's constantly trying to push uh, Tom Cruise to, like, he's constantly stepping up the timeline. Like he he basically tells him like, oh, we have six weeks to do this, and then it's all of a sudden we have four weeks to do this, and then all of a sudden it's like this is happening this week. Yeah. So, yeah. and he's he's constantly trying to tell. Tom Cruise, what a piece of shit he is, and and you're not worth it. And if it was up to me, you wouldn't even be in this. I would just ground you and and you know march you out basically. Um, okay, uh, so yeah, so anyway, we get into I mean, past the training montage and uh, Tom Cruise. There there there's a training accident where he pushes the kids, one of the kids, too hard, and he crashes the plane. He survives, but. He's basically out of the program. And so that means that Maverick has to step in and be the team leader now. So now he's on the mission. Yeah, he's actually flying, doing the run. And there's, you know, more and more drama between him and and uh, the Rooster character. Him and it, the John Hamm character as well. Yeah, there's, just Maverick has tension with everybody. Yeah, man. there's like, a one of the big parts of the whole Death Star run is they have to do it under like two and a half minutes or something like that. Right, and then that constantly gets pushed up and and they move it from like two and a half minutes to two two fifteen, then to two minutes, then yeah. to like a minute forty five. And when and so he kinda grounds Maverick uh John Ham grounds Maverick for the uh the incident or whatever mm-hmm. and he's and then he changes the parameters of the mission. He says, Okay, look, you can fly higher now, we're gonna slow it down so you guys can actually make it, this and that and the third. And Tom Cruise's big thing is that you have to run it in two and a half minutes or less because whatever country this is has these Brand new jets, they call them Generation 5 fighters, and if we can't get in and out by a certain amount of time, they are going to scramble these jets, and they are going to shoot you down. Right. So we're trying to bring home everybody alive. John Hamm, it's very much so insinuated, he's more interested in completing the mission than he is necessarily getting everyone alive. He is allowing for collateral damage, as they say. Like, not all these pilots are going to make it home, but as long as we get the mission done... The greater good is served, right? right. Right. So, ultimately, he grounds Maverick for the incident, and then Maverick, one of like three or four times that this happens, he steals a jet, (laughs) and he does the the Death Star run in like two minutes and ten seconds, and just to show that it's possible, and that's that's the spark that... Yeah, he does it in like a minute 37 or something like that. Yeah, and he hits like Mach 10, which he was training for earlier, and like he hauls ass through it, which is a cool scene. Uh, There's a scene where it's, it's a real shot. There's very little CGI in the movie. Um, but he, he's in the jet, he skims past this waterfall and like, you can see he's so close to it that you can see the mist of the waterfall, like right. hit the plane and go with them. It's, it's pretty rad. There's a lot of really cool shots like that. There's, there's really awesome shots in this and it's very well, like the cinematography in it is magnificent, but it all happens so fast yeah. where if you're not paying attention and you like, it almost happens too fast for you to appreciate it. It like the appreciation sets in like. A second and a half later, you're like, oh my god, that was a really cool shot that we just saw. Yeah. I wish I could go back and see that. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, Maverick gives them the spark that these kids need to do it. And so, he's kind of back on board. And he ends up being the leader of um, of the mission. Fast forward a little bit. A lot of cool shit happens. They do the Death Star run. The mission is a success. Um, and in the process... Spoilers. Yeah, the, yeah spoilers. The mission <laughs> is a success. They They... All kinds of technical errors happen. Oh, my laser's not working. Oh, my this is happening. As the right, right, and they right, all right. overcome it as a team. And and throughout the one of the running themes is Miles Teller's character Rooster is he's constantly trying to play it safe 
and that's sort of his character arc where where he's he's not going the fastest, he's not going the the furthest, he's not he's not pushing himself. He's still getting the mission done and he's still dedicated to to being on task, but it's not he's not doing it in the maverick style. Yeah. And so during this mission, he finally pushes himself and, and moves forward and, and he's, we're going to crank it up to Mach 3, you know. Um, yeah. His whole thing, Tom Cruise tells me, look, when you're up there, don't think, just do. Which is exactly not what you want a fucking fighter pilot to do. Right. Like, I want a, a fighter pilot to be logical and sensible and calculated. and calculated. Like, no, let's just see how this works out. Yeah. <laughs> I get the instinctual thing they're pushing, but yeah, it's, it's a little tough. Um... See, ultimately, okay, so it's a success, uh, and in the process, the apparently the Generation 5 fighters of this opposing country are much closer in the area right. than, than appears, so they're much, they're, they're much quicker than they thought they would be. They were already out and about, and so they, they book it over there, and um, in the process, uh, they locked on to Miles Teller, they're going to shoot him down. Maverick comes and saves the day with this really cool, like, vertical incline thing, and he fires the flares, so it, it takes one of the rockets away from him, but he, he ends up taking the shot, and he crashes into the forest. Maverick right. does. Right. Um, there's this whole debate while the other guy, the other team members are getting away, the other three jets are going back to the aircraft carrier, and um, this is where even more insubordination happens. Okay, so this is where the plot goes completely off the rails, yep. and... It's it's very formulaic, but even still, you're like, well, why the fuck would you like? What? Why? None of this makes any sense. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, that's from there. You can pretty much guess what happens. It's Tom Cruise goes down, and he's in this like winter forest, whatever this snow filled right. forest, and he somehow is alive, even though his plane is in ruins. And uh, all of a sudden, he's he sees this giant war helicopter lock it. Lock in on him. He's on foot. He has no weapons, no anything, no way to combat this thing. We think it's the end for our protagonist. All of a sudden, Rooster flies back in, blows up the helicopter. Missiles, missiles, missiles. Missiles, boom, boom, boom. Cool. In the process, he gets shot down and crashes his plane, I think, from the Generation 5 fighters right, come back. Right, right, And so now they're both on foot. Behind enemy behind lines. Behind enemy lines. In the if you think that there's not a shot of Tom Cruise running away... From machine gun fire as it's exploding behind him, a la any of the Mission Impossible movies, you have not been paying attention to his career. He has been training his whole goddamn life for this shot. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he, loves he is trying to show how good a runner he is. He does it in a lot of his movies. <laughs> I know Mission Impossible 3 is like a 30 second running sequence. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, from there you they're behind enemy lines, whatever, and the the base that they have there's the enemy base is close by, so they get the grand idea. They're gonna go steal a jet again. Now, do you remember in when when we watched this movie together, as soon as Tom Cruise got shot down and then Miles Tellers joins him, I looked at you and was like, They're gonna steal a jet. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna steal it. There's no way that both these guys are gonna die behind enemy enemy lines and get captured. They're gonna steal a jet. And you went, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, there was no probably about it. Yeah, they definitely. Yeah, he called Which it. is what happened. Yeah, he called. They it. literally scout out of base and they steal a jet, and it's this whole dramatic bullshittery where I just threw up my hands. It was like, cool. This is what we're doing now. 
All yeah, right. Once once the jet got shot down and it took a weird pivot in the final act, you're just like, all right, cool. We're committing to this. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, that's what they end up. They steal this old, I think it was F fourteen or something like yeah, that. Yeah, F fourteen Tomcat. Yeah, which was in the original movie. That that was Maverick's plane from the yeah, original. Yeah. yeah. And so they steal it, and then they're they're trying to book it back to the um, to the aircraft carrier safely. But lo and behold, these Generation Five fighters are still up gaining in the on air. them. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 faster, more maneuverable, better ammunition, just better armament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the, one of the other things that they Tom Cruise has been employ or uh, preaching to these students is it's not the machine, it's the pilot. It's not yeah. the machine. It's the man. It's the man in the box. Yeah. yeah. And so Miles Taylor, while they're up in the air, is like, "You can do this, Maverick. It's not the it's not the machine. It's the man." They're in this decrepit, you know. And he was bragging, "Oh, I shot down a bunch of enemy uh, Migs, the Mig forty nines back in the day." Da 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 da. And so he gives them a rousing little what for, and he engages in combat with these Generation Five fighters, and he makes quick work out of one. I gotta give him credit; it was really cool sequence. Yeah, there's a sequence where he gets the drop on one of the Generation Five fighters. And he's like, he kind of, he does this maneuver and he ends up behind them and he's about to fire on them. And this Generation 5 fighter like hits this air brake a la like freaking Bugs Bunny. <laughs> and like spins, like it, it's so He wild. just drifts. Yeah, like, he like yeah, drifts yeah, and yeah. spins back and then hits it, catches it, and is behind uh, Maverick again. And it is a dope shot. Which, look, from what I can tell, it doesn't look CGI. I really think that they actually might have done that. I, I would be surprised if it was. I, I mean... It, it is one of the highlight shots of the movie. Yeah. Like, just if you're not, if for nothing else, watch the movie just for that shot. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really rad. But again, it happens so quick that your brain doesn't even register it at first, where you're like, oh, wait a minute, that was fucking cool. Yeah, and you see him, like, as he's kind of drifting back, he's like, you see Tom Cruise and Miles Heller turn his head, like, really quick. And they drop the F-bomb. You get one F-bomb. Right. You get one F-bomb and a PG-13. And they like, use it. They're both like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you as an audience are thinking the same thing. Right, it's, right, right. It's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, he Tom Cruise ends up taking down one of these Generation 5 fighters. Uh, he's out of ammo, and guess what? The other one approaches behind him. He gets the drop on him, and we think, once again, they start taking on machine gunfire and this right. and that. And the I don't know if we're going to get out of this. Oh, they're and another hangman whose whole character arc was, oh, he leaves people out to dry. He, he'll he'll abandon you to save his own skin. Apparently, he just disobeyed mission orders, just too. Just defied the the flight captain, which, by the way, if you're on an aircraft car- carrier and you just decide to, like, take an air, like, just take a jet out, it doesn't work that way. Like, there's a whole fucking process that has to happen to make that, like, possible. Yeah, it's a team so, of people, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah. not he was just it's not like he was just like fuck it we're going it like guns it, yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah anyway so Hangman shows up out of nowhere saves the day it's the whole like his character, character arc, arc yeah. right of oh I finally learned the value of teamwork and what what have you yeah. you know and uh, so they end up landing uh, credits roll and uh, yeah we didn't even mention Jennifer Connelly in the movie either who you know what man she's so inconsequential like. I mean, she, not as a human being. She's, no, no, no. I, oh God, no. When when she showed up, and I looked, I looked over at you and went, Jennifer Connelly, beep 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 yeah. beep, beep, and started tapping my heart. Yeah, yeah. She's a. I love Jennifer Connelly, but character wise, she is inconsequential to the movie. She doesn't matter at all. 
all it is is they've had a will they won't they relationship okay. off camera for the last however many years. But it's a new character. It's not. Even, it's it's not like they're bringing back uh, Meg Ryan, who was Goose. Meg wife. Ryan, right? Like, or uh, what? What was the uh, Kelly McGinnis? Yeah, yeah. Like, which was the relationship that we were invested in? Yeah. From the first movie, now we're just introduced to like, oh, and once you broke up with her, then you met me, and we had a thing for a while, but yeah, so it all happened off screen. So who gives a fuck? Yeah, but she's she's awesome in it. She's I mean she's Jennifer Connelly, but I, listen, I love Jennifer Connelly's. But yeah, that's pretty much the movie. They land back on the aircraft carrier. Everyone celebrates. Roll credits, and that that's about it. But um, and then the post credits uh, scene is when. It fades from black, and you see uh, uh, Maverick and uh, uh, Iceman in bed, and they just turn, and they finally just kiss each other. Yeah, that's what we've really been wanting. <laughs> even though Maverick, or even though Iceman dies in this movie. Which makes it all the more weird, yeah. quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, it was de-aged, Disney-fied uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, but no, man, I, I dug it. I, I really did. Again, I really thought that, like... It's really predictable. If you've seen the first one, if you have seen a few movies before, if you were alive during the 80s or early 90s, you can pretty much, like, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the arc. Oh, it's very paint-by-numbers or, like, connect-the-dots for sure. But it works somehow, though. Like, it was still a really entertaining movie. Like, just the action sequences. I could give a shit what happened outside of the Jets. Like, I really didn't. They made up for all that lost time. And they're, they're in the Jets a fair amount, you know? But, like... Sure, not but overwhelmingly, but it they're so good in the Jets, the sequences that I was like willing to forgive. I was like, that's cool. Whatever gets me to the next sequence of them being in the Jets. So I um I, I I dug it actually, man. It was a good popcorn movie. I think it's it's already making all the freaking money. I mean, it it was the first movie to break like a billion dollars over a three day weekend or something like that. It's not yeah, not a billion, but it was yeah. It's it set some box office records for the month of uh of May. Or June, yeah, whatever, whatever month we're in now, June. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's doing its thing, but it's really enjoyable, man. I um, again, all the character arcs were really paint by numbers. You kind of yeah. see what's happening. You can kind of. The funny part is, is that they do, they do, they do a good job of when I watch a movie, I say, okay, where are you asking me to suspend my disbelief? Sure. Yeah, you know, or suspend my belief, or whatever it is, like. Right. Where are you asking me to do that? And I'm willing to do that as long as you play within the parameters of yeah. whatever you, you're asking me whatever, to do. Whatever you say the parameters are, whatever you say, like, these are the rules, you got to play by them. I'm yeah. in. We're good. And all the... I, I never saw anything happen in the Jets where you're like, well, that's just... That just couldn't happen. You know what I mean? For There's the a most, couple of things. The, uh, for the most part. That... For, I mean, for dramatic sake, I get it, but, like, really what the parameters they were asking you is, is that... We are not going to dishonorably discharge anyone for any action. Those are the parameters that they set. The Jets, you can take, leave, love, whatever. Listen, as someone who was in the in the military and got busted down in rank twice for... Much less offensive stuff. Much less serious offenses as stealing a fucking plane. Yeah. Multiple times. Multiple times. Like... Every single one of these people would have been kicked out. Like, Maverick, like, he stole how many planes in this? Three, oh, yeah. four times? And then Hangman just decides, like, 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 oh, no, we're just going to go save Maverick, even though you told me, like, he's a lost cause, whatever. Like They set a flight deck uh, on during some <laughs> of the, um, the training montages because it's like, well, these are international laws that you cannot do training. Ex- 
and they break that like four times. Yes. And even then, like John Hamm's like cracking the whip. Somebody higher up than him would have come in and be like, they obviously don't listen to you. You're out of this fucking thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the the end result is John Hamm is like, well, I disagree with your methods, but God damn it, if you didn't get the job done, like, no, you're fucking fired. You're out of the Navy, dude. They're discharging you. You're not getting pushed up in rank. And you're out. Like, yeah, everybody have been, fun. Like, everybody would have been shut down a long time ago. He's ultimately John Hamm's the police captain at the end of the movie that's like, you're a rookie hotshot straight out of the academy with a shoot first and ask questions later. And I don't <laughs> like your methods. But <laughs> God, God damn it, it, you're a damn fat guy. <laughs> that's ultimately what his role is. Congrats. You can check that box. I crushed that impression. <laughs> you did. You knew it exactly who I was doing. You can picture the mustached police captain in that one. So six weeks to retirement. Six weeks to retirement. Damn it, you're a damn fat cop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's where they ask you to suspend your disbelief is in those parameters. And with that being said, they play within it pretty well. And that that to me was the big ask of you in this I, one. And it's like cool. I agreed. There, admittedly, <clears throat> there are parts of the movie that they ask you to suspend your disbelief for a large portion of the plot. It just they do, but again, like like I said from the beginning, it's a popcorn movie. It's cotton candy. It's fluff. It's it's not meant to be taken seriously. There's no real major message behind it other than like a navy recruiting video. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I mean, I think I I, I read a rep- uh, 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 I read a report that said that. The Navy has seen like a fifteen to twenty five percent increase in, oh, in recruitment it. since the movie it. came out. I don't doubt it for a second. Which, by the way, if you're thinking about joining the Navy and your recruiter tells you that you are going to be flying plane flying planes, just take that with a huge like suppository sized grain of salt. Yeah. Just just understand. I joined the Coast Guard, and my recruiter told me that I would be flying helicopters within four years. Mind you, I'm six foot two and have horrible vision, like astigmatism. Yeah. It's not going to fucking happen. Yeah. They're going to do anything to get you to sign that fucking paper. If you want to join the Navy, be prepared to be on a boat for your entire career, which is fine if you're okay with that. Yeah. If you are fine with living with... 300 to 1,010 people on a very isolated community, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, I've never joined, but that's the general consensus I hear of everybody that has. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it was it was cool though, man. Um, again, like, I'm fine with whatever movie that does that. The Matrix says, all right, these are the rules we're going to play with. You can sure. bend stuff. Cool. Those are the rules. Let's play right. in them. Right. So with that, I give it credit, man. Uh, again... What, what do you give it rating-wise? I give it... I'm going to change it up a little bit. I give it a Mach 8. Oh, shit. Mach 8. See, now i got to think of a new one because you stole mine. So I'm going to give it... Uh, I'm going to give it... Uh, 3.2 pilot wings. I like it. I like it. I Which like also, it. by the way, if you've never played pilot wings, play pilot wings. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, so yeah, man, uh, I know you're a huge fan of the first, um, Top Gun. I, I mean, I watched it a fair amount as a kid. 
I I literally watch it once, once a, year. a year. Yeah. On Fourth of July, it's usually one of my go tos. Yeah, I've seen it in passing. It's just I mean, it's on TV all the time. It's on Netflix. All it, it rotates for us, and I'll I'll check in with it every couple of years. But I know between you and just some other people I know, Top Gun was in heavy rotation until yep. I was about twelve or fifteen, something like in that area. I mean, it was it was a. It was the action movie of its time, you know. It was it was the Taken or the um, John Wick of its of its of its genre, you know. Yeah. Um, so how do like theme wise, how do you think they did? Like comparatively, compare or contrast to the first and second one. So okay, <laughs> so that's kind of operating on an apples to oranges kind of basis because the. The first movie is very much a gay struggle movie, and the second movie is very much a generational gap movie. Okay. It's, it's, it's trying to bridge the gap between nostalgia and the avant-garde of what does the military mean to me kind of thing. Okay. Well, explain what you mean about the first one. because we, <laughs> we have had this talk, so I know where you're going with this. So the first movie, to me, and, and this is, again, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I don't mean this disrespectfully. This is, this is not intending to be, like, divisive anyway. But the first movie to me is very much gay-oriented, and it's very much about the gay struggle. So the movie is, the original Top Gun, is very much Maverick's struggle with his own sexuality. Like, it's a constant pull to join the quote-unquote boys club. Um, and Kelly McGinnis is there as the foil to that, and it's, it's very much him trying to be accepted into what it means to be in the gay community and out and proud. So, like, essentially you could boil down the struggle between Iceman and Maverick as they're both power tops. Okay. And neither one is willing to be the bottom. It's, it's, it's what happens when you're at the club, and I, I have experience with this. <laughs> when you're at the club and one man is, well, I'm going to be the one that's pushing in from behind you. And the other one says, oh, no, you're not. I'm going to be the one that's pushing in from behind you. And what happens between them? And so Top Gun is the fact the struggle comes because neither one of them will yield. Exactly. Neither one is willing to be the power bottom. So, like, you, you look at the relationship between Maverick and Goose, right? Goose is his, is his co-pilot. He's sitting behind him. He's, he's in the subservient sector. Like, he's not actually flying the plane. He's just the one sort of guiding it. He's the power bottom. He's the one going, like, do it like this. Do this. Oh do God. that. That's you know? awesome. Meanwhile, Maverick is the one handling the joystick, being like, here's how we're fucking flying this thing right now, right? Right. So then you get Iceman and Maverick, and it's both two guys who want to be in the front of the cockpit. They're, they're both the guys with their hands on the stick being like, we're going to do it my way. No, we're going to do it my way. No, we're going to do it my way. And then the movie ends, the very, very last line, after Maverick completes his mission and saves Iceman and all of this, that, the other, the very last line is... You can ride my tails anytime, Iceman says. And Maverick claps his hand and brings him in close and says, No, you can ride mine. Oh. So they both learn to be the power bottom. There it is. <laughs> what a hot take. 
from 1986. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to the great Tony Scott. Uh, rest in peace, buddy, for uh, for putting that together for us. It's, it's the subtext. If you don't think that, that movie is the second gayest movie ever made, just watch the volleyball on the beach scene. It's all hot-bodied, oiled-up dudes playing volleyballs, and the name of the song that plays is "Playing with the Boys." Playing with the boys. Yeah. Listen, it's it's about a man coming into terms with his own sexuality. Like, here's Kelly McGinnis, right? And she represents the feminine side. Meanwhile, he's got the boys club, and they're like, no, come join us. Come be a fighter pilot. Come sit in the cockpit, right? And then she's telling him, like, no, no, you got to be straight. You got to, like, you got you to follow the rules, Maverick. You're, you're, you're going too far out of bounds. I don't think, yeah, so she represents society or, or his views. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Or what he would think society's telling him to do. Right, 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 right. That's funny. And then the very end, as we find out, he rejects her and goes to the boys' club. Dude, that's awesome. That's hilarious. So it works out. I, I, I feel vindicated in my proof that Top Gun is the second gayest movie ever. I mean, yeah. I, well, let's get something very clear. We're not... When I was a kid, a lot of people said, like... A lot of people... And I'm, pardon me for using some trigger words if this is, but hear me out. I'm not saying it to be, like, inflammatory or anything like that. Like, when I was a kid, everyone said the word retarded all the time because they didn't know a better adjective to describe, like, oh, this person is, is this, whatever the situation is. Right. Same thing with gay. Every, oh, it's gay. And it's like, it's so faux pas now, like, whatever, whatever. So please understand, we're not saying anything, or what I'm about to say, I'm not saying anything negative about gay people at all whatsoever. Oh, no, 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 no. When I say the word gay, I mean full-on, like, man blowing another man. Like, yeah. Like, I don't mean that in a derogatory term, like, yeah. oh, that's gay. Like, I mean, like, no, no, these two dudes want to fuck. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> and I, I I agree, I think it does fit the same category of, like... And you can just call it homoeroticism or whatever you want to call it, but, like, 300 is a badass movie. That's the third gayest movie ever. 300 is a pretty gay movie. Uh, Roadhouse. Yeah. Is a pretty... Yeah. Yeah, everyone yeah. just wants to fuck Patrick Swayze except Sam Elliott. <laughs> But see, he's the power top, and like Patrick Swayze is the is the otter twink that's coming up in the in the gay community. Yeah, and I remember telling this philosophy to uh, my girlfriend Angie. She was like, "No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not." And then it's it's right then when I was sitting there just kind of getting her eyes out of her whatever about it. It's the scene where uh, Patrick Swayze's in a chokehold, and they're in like the the woods or whatever, yes. and it's raining, and the guy's like, "I used to fuck guys." That, it, uh, fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> I was like, that's what we call a slam dunk. Like, what, what was your counterpoint? And like? point. Yeah. And again, <laughs> we're not saying anything disparaging about whatever whatever you got going on. It's lit- It is all love here at What You've Been Watching. Please believe oh, of that. Of course. Of course. Like I said, it, my, I love that movie. I watch it at least once a year. But it's gay. And not in the like, ooh, that's gay way. But like, it's gay. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I think the way you broke it down, your explanation of it, it's hard to argue. It's like, yeah. Well, good. I feel... Uh, it's the sub... I feel justified. Yeah. It's the yeah, subtext yeah, yeah. they're yeah. saying. You guys just haven't been watching it the right way. Right, right, yeah. I'm just saying, watch that movie and then jerk off. See how it works out. Yeah, see how it works out. It's all good, man. It's all and on stuff. that note, yeah. I'm out of Cavassier, which means we're out of time. Yeah, um, <laughs> dude, it's been a pleasure. Uh, anybody else? Anything else we want to talk about? Anything else going on? Uh, let's get into Ukraine. No, let's not do that. <laughs> Especially after a Top Gun movie. Like, uh, 
bad segues. With that. <laughs> All right. No, I'm good, bro. All right, cool, man. Well, uh, for everybody else here, what you've been watching, namely this guy to my right, tell them who you are. Uh, the Marvelous Mike Dudley, uh, signing out. Thank you, guys. MD3, signing out. Go watch a movie. Talk about it. And talk about it. Yes, sir.